message. Our first, first message comes from Mr. Art Williams, and it's entitled, De oh, sorry. We're good, okay. Right. So, Mr. Williams, there you are. It's really interesting you can uh, look out into the crowd and people usually sit in the regular same seat all the time, like it's an assigned seat or something. So you can look out and say, oh, that person's missing in action. That person's absent without leave. You know, <laughs> almost uh, it's interesting how that happens. Destinations. <clears throat> Some have already departed to their feast destination and they're striving feverishly to prepare everything for the rest of us so we can get there and have a good time. Others have left early to stop along the way and take in some other activities. And then there's us who are maybe still waiting to pack up our bags and hop up and stop the suitcase and latch the latches and load up the car and then take off and then find out we left the water running in the tub and turn around and have to go back home. <clears throat> But the road of life um, and many, has many destinations. The feast is just one of them. And we have a greater destination, though, and that's the kingdom of God. And going to the feast and celebrating that helps keep us focused on that mission of ours, our goal, and what Jesus wants us to do. And the road of life can often be filled with potholes, pit bulls, and, oh, no, not that, too. There are endless varieties of normal challenges that we face through life. And times will come when challenges for Christians are anything but normal. And we are admonished to be alert and to watch for the signs that Jesus gave us so we know the signs of the time. So with our minds focused on this great future, future that God has in store for us, which the feast reminds us of every year, we will be better prepared to face some of these abnormal challenges that might come. And when they come, it may be in generations after us and not on us. But hopefully, we will all be strengthened in our resolve to enter the kingdom and be a better representative of Jesus as we go through this life as a result of following the destinations that he has set up for us and make each one of them a stepping stone into the greater destination of being in his kingdom. So I want to look at some of the potholes and the pit bulls and the, oh no, not that too, that we are going to run into because we don't talk about them very much. And there are some curious things that, at least in my mind, they're curious, um, that perhaps... will tickle your question, questioning mind or give you some thoughts to think about. In Matthew 24, 37 through 9, 39, Jesus says, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, Marrying and giving in marriage 
until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of man, son of man be. And that's really kind of interesting because when we read the descriptions about all the, all the things that are going to be going on in the world, the famine and the pestilence and the wars and kingdom about kingdom, and here they're living their life as is all is normal, everything's good. And it's like, how can that, how can they be so ignorant of the conditions around them? And I've been entertaining my own mind with some of the, some of the possibilities on that. And I ran into some things that was informative to me. And so you could actually look at some of these things actually being in place and not being aware of them. I'll give you some illustrations of those. In Matthew 24, 7, he says, For nation shall rise against kingdom, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. <clears throat> I think of pestilence and famines as being something like happened during the Dark Ages, with the Black Death plague something that's really, really noticeable. And it's earth-shattering, earth-shaking. I mean, if they had television back in those days, it would be on the news at night. But then I ran into some interesting statistics, and maybe some of you know them. They were new, they were new to me, uh, such as, for example, 25% of the children in the United States of America are pre-diabetic. Pre-diabetic means they are most likely to become diabetic in the near future. Would you call 25% of America's population being diabetic as a pestilence? But that's not the only one. 20% of the United States, children in the United States, are ADHD. If each of those two statistics were mutually exclusive. And so you could add them together. You have 45% of the population of the United States being struck down with even diabetes or ADHD in the future. And then we come to infant deaths, or could we look at successful infant birth, where number one is the best. U.S., when I checked, and this is a couple of years old, this data, was 39. 39. I find that to be shocking. Do these qualify as pestilence that mankind would simply overlook and not even be aware of? They wouldn't even classify them as that because perhaps medical science is, quote, taking care of them. And Jesus continues in Matthew 24, 8 and 9. And he says, these are the beginning of sorrows. They shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And here we know this is a description of the fifth seal. It's persecution of Christians with, in the middle of the seven-year period, three and a half years to go. So... How do the seals in Revelation 
overlay Matthew 24. I've always been of the impression that the first seal is the first item that Jesus mentioned when he says, many shall come in my name and say, I am Christ and shall receive many. And then after I read Revelation and I see the very first one is the man sitting on a white steed and he has a bow and a crown. And then I thought further where in Matthew 24, 33 through 34, Jesus makes a statement about generations. So likewise, when you shall see all these things, know it is, it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all, the, all these things be fulfilled. What are all these things? Well, they begin back in Matthew 24, verse where he says many shall come in my name so from many will come in my name all the way through till he gets to the gathering of the saints with the great sound of a trumpet all those things will be fulfilled um, during this, this generation question then is what constitutes many shall come in my name and then it gets a little more involved in my complex little mind, will deceive many. What degree of deception? There was a great evangelism that took place in this country and subsequently around the world after World War II with the advent of the television. Most of it started in and around 1950s, early 50s, 1952. But by 1957, for example, some evangelistic efforts covered 80% of the United States. Oral Roberts covered 80% of the United States with his, his evangelistic efforts in 1957. And there were a whole slew of people that followed afterwards. And some of them were less than honest. Could that be the start of many will come in my name? And that evangelistic effort uh, went, went on for quite a number of years. When I was a kid back in the 50s, I remember you couldn't turn the television on on Sunday morning without getting anything but a religious broadcast. By 1980s, I was on my own, and I brought my own house. And I remember, <clears throat> all right, so I'm a little lazy on Sunday mornings, okay? I remember laying on my waterbed, flipping on the television with the remote, and having, being able to watch the Cisco Kid and Poncho, followed by the Lone Ranger and Tonto, followed by Flash Gordon, back to back to back. No religious programming. I had an option. It was there if I wanted it, but it started to fade out in the 80s. And that's kind of interesting because if you go and look at the actuarial tables, those are the life insurance tables that, you know, they, they, statistics they put together how long you're going to live or how soon you're going to die, depending on how you want to look at it. And the tables differ a little bit. Some of them I see. And it's different for men and women, and from table to table. One table might say 80 for men, another will say 78 for men. But generalize it to, say, age 80, if that's your life expectancy. And assuming a normal statistical distribution, that means when you hit the average, 50% of those people are alive, and 50% of them are deceased. 
So, if you add 85 years on to 1955, you come out with 2040. And if you subtract six years from that, because Jesus didn't go through the whole seven years, he stops with the gathering of the saints. There's still day of the Lord to go on there yet. So say six years earlier. And so you're looking at 2034. Hmm. Now if you want to say, well, it the evangelism really didn't get going until 1960. I had five years out of that. So it's 2039. If I did my math right, somebody can check me on that. But that's not all of it, because there's another few words that Jesus said that um, can also be interpreted as a prophecy. And maybe you've heard of this, maybe you haven't. I expect you all have. In verse 32 of Matthew 24, he says, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When its branch is yet tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. Or King James says, nigh. In the Old Testament, we can find that the fig tree in some scriptures refers to Israel. So when the modern nation of Israel was established, and some people use 1947, some people use 1948, I prefer 1948, you could add your 85 years onto that, or 80 years. I skipped over one little statistic here. The difference between 80 and 85 years. 80 years is the average, so at that point, 50% of the people are alive, 50% are deceased. Five years later, at age 85, then 73% of that generation is deceased. So if you add... 85 years on to 1948. You come up with 2033 minus 6 and you come up with 2027. Hmm. I like to play with numbers, you know. I'm pretty good at it. Pretty good at 1 plus 1 equals 2. Once I get above that, you know, it becomes a little involved. Especially at calculus level. Still don't get that get a handle around that. But all of this is given to us by Jesus to encourage us to be able to watch and see things and it will all become more visible as time goes by. I'd like to go back a little bit here to, I think, Revelation 6 and look at exactly what he says in, the first, in, this, in some of the seals. I'm sure we won't have time to get, go through all of them. <clears throat> at Revelation 6, verse 2, And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow and a crown. A crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And you know, I, I can, and if you, if you relate that and do an overlay, as I know, if I remember correctly, they taught at Ambassador College that he was referring to 
uh, Matthew 24, 4, and 5 rather, for many will come in my name. There are many instances in, in history where one with a bow and a crown went out conquering and did so with enforced evangelism for Christianity. One of those episodes would be the Crusades, where the Pope enlisted a king to essentially do his bidding for him and win back the Holy Land. But there were others, as we all well known, that went on in Spain. Some of the torture equipment was found after the turn of the 1900s was still in place. So whether those two are an overlay or not, I think it's, it may be, but then I think maybe, maybe not. Maybe that was fulfilled in a different way. And it says, and the second one, the second seal, <clears throat> there went out another horse that was red. Power was given unto him that sat on it to take peace from the earth, that they should kill one another. And was given unto him a great sword Actually, in my recollection of, of, of news events, it seems that the world was in a worse state maybe back when I was a kid. It seemed more unstable then with the Cold War and Germany being divided. And now, other than North Korea and the saber rattling going on there, even the Middle East has kind of calmed down. There's things going on under the behind the scenes and all, but when they had the Palestinian state up for a possible opportunity, they were doing all kinds of terrorism and blowing things up, and that kind of settled down now since they took that off the table. So it's interesting. It's, it's not everything is, is, is meshing for all of this. And then the third seal, we held a black horse, and he that sat on had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures say, a measure of wheat for a denarius, and three measures of barley and a, for a denarius, and see that you not hurt the oil and the wine. He's referring to famine here. Again, Jesus referenced that back in Matthew 24. And that was in verse 7. seven nation shall rise against nation, keeping against kingdom. There should be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. And they do say on the news today that the superbugs will escape, those that are confined in hospitals, will escape into general society by the year 2030. And unless they come up with new drugs and new methods, uh, there won't be anything to stop the superbugs. So that's, you know, that's a, a fact hanging out there. And they're working all kinds of newer technologies, science-wise where they're actually looking to take the genes and reform them. They've actually gone down, and I was watching a television program on this, and they, they can photograph the gene of the pestilence, whatever that is, and they can look at the form of it, and they realize that if they change the form of it, it collapses upon itself and dies. So they're looking at trying to create methods whereby they can cause this, the genes of the pestilence to disform itself and thereby commit suicide. It's kind of interesting. 
whether they'll ever get to that point where they can actually use that technology. That's all just under development now. It was on the, one of the uh, television programs here not too, too long ago. <clears throat> but there again, uh, 2030, and I'm not setting dates, but I am trying to motivate you that uh, maybe there's, you know, God says my ways are not your ways. Maybe he's sitting up there and looking at 20% of the children in the United States. Maybe he's looking at that as being a plague. Or 25% ADHD. And I hope I didn't misquote those. Um, and in famine, it's been said, and I haven't verified it. I don't know if I could verify it. But some of the school systems now offer breakfast for their children because the kids don't get fed at home. For what that reason is, I'm not exactly sure whether both parents work and they don't have time to feed the children. But that's one of the most critical meals of the day because your fat body has been fasting for maybe 8 or 12 hours as you sleep and needs nourishment to run effectively uh, and efficiently uh, through the day. But nonetheless, <clears throat> these school systems and these local communities have no problem putting up 16 athletic fields with artificial turf and with night lights, and that's not good enough. They have to put up more besides. Teacher pay? Don't worry about that. We have athletic fields we got to build. Anyway, I put a plug in for you, Richie, Reggie. And Curtis. And then we get down to the obvious one, and they shall deliver you up and kill you, the fifth seal. Going back to Revelation. Uh, the fourth, fourth, fifth seal, which is the martyrdom of the, of the word. And right before that, the fourth seal, there's an interesting, very, very interesting scripture. Because the event occurs only over 25% of the earth. Not the whole earth, only 25%. Now, you got a question there. Is that 25% geographically, or is that 25% by population? Either way. But it says, <clears throat> And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death and Hades, followed where followed with him. The power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and hunger and death and with the beasts of the earth. It's interesting. You're going to kill with death. Kill with sword and hunger. Those make sense. And then he says, and with death. That's kind of like redundant, isn't it? I mean, what's he driving at there? And with death. And with the beasts of the earth. And the beasts don't have to be animals. That word term beast could refer to men. But it's only for a quarter part of the earth. And that's interesting because if, and I didn't put this in my scriptural list, but there's scripture back in Jeremiah 30 where he's talking about the time of Jacob's trouble. And he says, all of your, I'm going to just quote this from memory, All of your lovers will leave you because, and I'm going to paraphrase it grossly, because of the hurt 
that I've put upon you. That's a cause and effect there. All the lovers leave Jacob for a reason, and the reason is because God puts a hurt on Jacob, and the, the hurt is termed incurable. An incurable hurt. That's interesting. Most nations today, if you're if it's in military invasions, um, most men, um, nations today would align themselves with you to fight off the invader. But if it has no cure, it's interesting. It could be again. It goes back to is the time of Jacob's trouble not beginning with the first seal, but is it beginning with the fourth seal, and is the area of Jacob the fourth part of the earth? Again, I'm just, I'm just brainstorming as I'm going through this. I'm not, don't come up and say, Art, you, you cast this in concrete or something. I'm not casting it in concrete. I'm giving you information and some different ways to look at these things. He says to watch, and uh, I've been watching most all my life, <laughs> you know, and uh, still watching. Um, and maybe I'll be lucky enough not to be here when all this happens. But for those that are going to be here, um, we need to make sure that the information is carried on and passed on to the next generations so they're aware of watching and what to watch for and perhaps some of the, some of the variations that... Uh, may make it a little less obvious <clears throat> than what we would expect. Continuing in, let's continue in the sixth seal, <clears throat> where we're wrapping up the conclusion of the persecution of Christians. And to be held, when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell onto the earth, even as a fig tree casts her untimely figs, she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll. That's an interesting description right there. What do you see when the heavens depart as a scroll? What is it that you see? I mean, I, I, I'm a little at a loss of what to expect by that. It rolled together. Does the blue sky go away? Do we see just black stars? Do the clouds go away? And the kings and the great men and the rich men and the captains and the mighty men and every slave and every free man hid themselves in dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. It's interesting that they recognize this. They certainly recognize that something is happening that's beyond their control. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? 
And then we pick up the rest of the story over here in Revelation 8.1. And he opened the seventh seal, and there was silence in heaven, a space of a half an hour, half an hour. If you calculate that out, and if, you, if Art Williams did his math correctly, in God's time, it comes out to 20.8 days is a half an hour. And you can go out and you can play around with that time interval as to what does 20.8 days do. And is it actual an amount of time? Or is, it, is this just, yeah, there's a delay there. It doesn't happen right away. But it could be aligning events, that little half an hour delay. And before the gathering of the saints, which happens on the seventh trump, the following events occur. The first trumpet. The first angel sounded, and there was followed hail and fire mixed with blood, and they were cast upon the earth. And the third part of trees was burnt up, and all green grass was burnt up. So that certainly is going to have tremendous impact on the ability of the of the earth to function in terms of generating oxygen. And the normal process is by where plants grow because of the photosynthesis and so on. And then we have the third part of creatures that were in the, in the sea died. And then the third trumpet sounds and a great uh, star falls from heaven burning as it were as a lamp falls into the waters and a third part of the waters and the fountains are made bitter, poisonous. And we go, I'm not going to go through the fourth and the fifth <coughs> or the sixth. I'm going to skip over to the seventh because I'm running out of time. And the seventh is where he says, and the nations, I'm going to skip down to verse 18, and the nations were angry and thy wrath is come in the time of the dead that they should be judged in that you should give reward unto your servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and to them that fear your name, small and great, and should destroy them who destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple, what was seen in his temple? The Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is in the temple of God in heaven what it says. But that's our destination. That's our destination. The resurrection, the millennium, and what happens after the millennium. So whatever your plans are, whether you stay here, observe the feast, or whatever destination you go to, it's all targeted to getting you into the millennium, into the resurrection, into the millennium, into the general resurrection. And in Revelation 21.5, and he sat, and he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. 
And what happens when he makes all things anew? We're kind of back to Genesis 1.1. Maybe that's where we get a part in doing creation in the universe. Something to look forward to. Something to look forward to also may be the the people that you might want to see when they come up in the general resurrection. You know, I've I've got a couple I look forward to seeing. You know, I don't want to be hostile about it, but uh, I don't think I'll do this, but it's kind of like, nah, 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 I told you so. (laughs) Anyway, have a good feast. Keep your mind on the goal of being in the kingdom of God.